0: You're listening to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, brought to you by Tiger Creative, the creative agency for active lifestyle brands. Find out more at tigercreative.com.
1: Welcome to The Active Lifestyle Marketer, a podcast dedicated to bringing industry experience and insight into marketing an active lifestyle brand. Whether you're a travel and leisure, fitness and sport, or a health and nutrition brand, If you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other Active Lifestyle brand executives, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Active Lifestyle Marketer. Today on the show, we'll be talking with Stephen Reginald, founder of Gear Junkie and Monopoint Media. They're based out of Minneapolis and recently making a move with Gear Junkie to Colorado. Stephen, thanks for being on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: So can you, uh, just for some context and maybe some historical background for both companies, just give us uh, how you got into this outdoor lifestyle space and, and how G- Gear Junkie and Monopoint came to be?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I've been an outdoors guy my whole life. Kind of my earliest memory is. a uh, in a canoe at three years old on the Minnesota river and was a writer and kind of evolved into a journalist, went to journalism school and decided to try to blend my passions of outdoor activities and writing and launched a zine during college, which ended up sort of becoming what gear junkie is today. So, uh, lifelong outdoors guy and journalist and kind of combine those two things.
1: Okay. And we're, what- Growing up, were there any inspirations or guys that you wanted to be like when you grew up type thing for that journalism, outdoor lifestyle?
0: Uh, sure. There's sort of a rich tradition from Hemingway on up to any of the modern writers that are in the glossy magazines that I read as a kid or in the IMAX films on Everest, etc So Lots of heroes and kind of a template to what I wanted to do, but also media is so different than it was even 10 years ago, so I feel like it's a continual job of adapting and evolving.
1: Mm-hmm. And so did, did, did Gear Junkie come first, or did Monopoint come first?
0: Gear Junkie came first, and the backstory is that Gear Junkie actually launched as a print newspaper column back in 2002. I was oh, 25 wow. years old. Yep. So uh, I knew an editor at a local paper here in Minneapolis and convinced them to let me write about gear every week and started building uh, kind of an archive of articles. A couple years into that was nationally syndicating the column. And as the newspaper world was kind of crashing around uh, the recession of, 708 decided to pivot and focus on digital so gearjunkie.com was born in 2006 and monopoint media came a couple years after that
1: okay so 2006 you made you made that jump into digital
0: yeah and it wasn't so much a jump as an initiation and at the time I was Writing independently for the New York Times and several publications. I was a freelance writer, essentially, and building Gear Junkie up. And it took, it took probably five years to get kind of any serious hold on the industry and get a name and get an audience. And in the meantime, was building, building Gear Junkie, doing the freelance work, and was an independent journalist and writer. And then in the last five years, we've really put a ton of effort into the business side and just essentially scaled what I had created, uh, you know, 10 plus years ago.
1: Okay. So the last five years have, have seen the biggest growth with gear junkie.
0: Yeah. Both audience and revenue and staff have pretty much not quite doubled year over year, but some years it doubles. So it's been a good few years and we're looking at I think we're up to 12 employees at this point so it's uh from from the humble beginnings of a a weekly newspaper column to where it is today has been fun to fun to watch
1: interesting now gear junkie from what i can tell has you guys produce a lot of content a lot of visual content was monopoint or has monopoint historically been the primary content creator for gear junkie and as you've grown have you had to branch out from using monopoint or what does that kind of look like
0: So there are two really distinct businesses. Gear Junkie is essentially an online magazine. It's a digital publication. Its revenue is about 75% from advertising. So we have a million monthly readers, and we produce anywhere from three to eight articles a day, and we do videos every month, a few videos a month, um, and have really sort of a newsroom, an editorial staff that produces content really almost 24-7. We're seen as a news source in this industry. And my editor-in-chief is a former journalist colleague of mine. We hire journalists. And so it's it's very much a digital publication. Mm-hmm. And then Monopoint is very much a content creation agency. And where that comes together is many of the bigger brands in our space, like Columbia and North Face and Timberland and at all they want to do projects so they want to do more than just advertising and that's where mono point evolved as to be uh, for years kind of a symbiotic relationship with gear junkie
1: and then did that what has that morphed into recently or evolved into
0: so I guess it it's evolved into a place where the two entities still work together and my business partner and I both own Uh, mostly equal shares in both of the businesses. Okay. But we've decided to, this year, pull them apart both uh, sort of market wise and then also just legally for years the two entities were linked LLCs Mm -hmm. and this year we've made steps to just kind of pull them apart because we felt like they were well symbiotic, limited in ways, in that they were, they were too close. (laughs) It's hard to explain, but it's almost like an exercise we needed to do here internally as much as we needed to do to, um, to kind of evolve the business.
1: Interesting. And so will you take, uh, more, it sounds like you're going to take more focus in gear junkie and will your partner take more of the monopoint direction and go continue building that himself?
0: Yeah, for the time being, my partner is Mike Santy, and he's been with me since 2006. He helped launch GearJunkie.com, and he really does head up Monopoint, and I really head up Gear Junkie, so that's been a bit of a distinction as well. For years, we were sort of uh, partners in crime, and we've realized that our strengths play kind of these distinct entities, so mm-hmm. for now, going forward, I'm much more focused on Gear Junkie day-to-day. It's a very successful little business, and I want to continue to scale what we're doing, and then Mike will step back and, with his people, build Monopoint.
1: Okay, and will will Gear Junkie start to or continue to contract Monopoint out for a lot of the content creation?
0: It's actually often more the opposite because Gear Junkie has both an in-house content creation team and association with so many people in the industry, whether they're video producers or writers or people that do events and social media that. MonoPoint is usually the one contracting services from kind of the Gear Junkie stable. Uh, we also distribute a lot of the content produced around a project under a MonoPoint project under the Gear Junkie banner, whether that's on our social media or maybe even as closely linked as like a microsite, a GearJunkie.com/slash uh, one of the projects.
1: Hmm. that's really interesting. Let's talk about how you guys at Gear junkie think about storytelling. I mean, you're a digital publication, and so story is like the driving force yeah, behind what you do. So um, what does what, is, what does that look like as you guys think about creating stories and finding stories? and um, are, you, are you going out and searching for those stories? Are brands bringing stories to you to use your platform to
0: share what they're doing? What does that kind of look like? It's a kind of 24-7, you kind of live and breathe it as a journalist. So I think it's, it, you know, in twofold, I love this industry. I'm personally a climber, skier, runner involved in all of these passions. Plus, as a journalist, you keep your ear to the ground and you produce news around what's going on and you review products and you interview people. So it's really a living thing. We don't really go to the whiteboard and think, how should we produce next week's content? We really we're on Slack, we're on email, we're calling each other, we being the editorial team and producing content quickly every day and reacting to news and then using our journalistic skill set to do interviews, build stories, travel to report on things, get exclusives, scoop new gear. We have more and more evolved into the voice of this industry around what's happening and what's trending. So it's, and then, you know, 10% of the time we'll step back and we'll look, we're going to produce a 30 minute video in partnership with REI about a trans USA bike tour. Obviously, that takes more traditional story arc outlining, planning. And that's when we might get into more of that storytelling that maybe you're referencing, but day to day it's very much a journalistic effort which means again reacting and in breaking news and writing you know it's it's almost off the cuff a lot of times and that's that's what keeps the site alive it's like an ongoing conversation with our readers
1: interesting and so i mean gear junkie being your name a big portion of what you guys do is just reviews on new gear and what's the latest stuff coming out
0: yeah yeah exactly. We need to be on the pulse of it, and we attend trade shows and events and get early release prototypes from a lot of the big brands and have a network of testers always looking at gear so gear and then everything that kind of flows from that, whether it's a personality story about a designer or an athlete that uses say a new ice axe to do a new you know climb Niagara falls when it's frozen or uh you know, whether it's uh, breaking a story on a new technology, just trying to stay on the pulse of that.
1: Yeah. So how, do how do you guys set yourself apart from other sites that maybe have offer similar uh, value to users?
0: It is just kind of, you know, hammering this, but it is really our journalistic background. And the way we approach every single day is kind of We get up and assess what's going on and react and publish and keep the conversation alive. So, there's not, you know, every industry has kind of its news blog or news source, and we more and more are being seen as that in this space. So, that's kind of number one maybe lately. Um, Initially, though, it was very much real world objective gear reviews. So, being kind of the consumer reports of gear, Mm -hmm. we're not going to give a A bike a good review just because you know we got to use a bike and we like it and we like the company or whatever it's super objective negative and positive reviews we don't we don't bs our readers because that only shoots you in the foot in the long run so yeah uh, that's the backbone of gear junkie is our giant archive of reviews and that's what this was founded on just kind of that backbone of the reviews and the objective reporting and then there's the news blog which is kind of the daily life of of this the the cycle of what gear junkie is
1: Mm -hmm. well with a a million
0: monthly users you guys are doing something right yeah you know it's been a long plow though i mean it started with a hundred you know daily page views and it's been fun to just watch it grow over the years but we've we've garnered an audience and continue to try to scale that. And it's, it's kind of a a fun part of the game.
1: That's really cool. And is a lot of that traffic, um, just organic or are
0: are you pushing, is, are you seeing it come from your social presences? It's essentially all organic. We might do occasional boosted posts or efforts that are paid, but it's almost all organic. And, By that I mean we have a social media manager. She posts multiple times a day on all the social media um, sites. We have an e-newsletter three times a week. We have um, RSS pop-ups, et cetera. So we use kind of all the common tools to get the word out there on each new piece of content, but we don't do paid pushes to get people to our site. People come every day by the thousands.
1: It seems like with that type of user base, you'd have brands coming to you offering all kinds of things to get you to push their newest gear. How are you, yeah. how are you making sure that you're staying uh, objective and, and, and true to what you just talked about, where you're yeah, you arguing sure, bad reviews if, it, if it's necessary and, and just being uh, completely honest with what you're doing. How, what does that kind of look like with your brand relationships?
0: I mean, in our industry, the saying is church and state. So you try not to mesh the business side with the editorial side. And it's a very much a common practice in in magazine and newspaper journalism and in digital publishing. And my writers and editors are not ever even talking to, like, the marketers at the big brands. They're talking to the product designers or the media relations people. So there are kind of macro systems that keep you in check Mm -hmm. And we, we have those in-house policies here. Um, number two, it, it's sort of like a wisdom of the crowds thing. It's like, if you say a backpack is good and it's not, you get, you get feedback immediately from our vast readership of experts. So Mm
1: -hmm. you can't
0: really BS it. Um, and, publications might do that but they're only they're only shooting themselves on the foot for the long run because if you're not honest and producing good objective content it's it's pretty it's it's not a good formula for long-term success and uh, oh yeah your, your users
1: your users going to see right through that if if
0: exactly and, and it, they and see quickly. through i mean they see through superficial reporting and the the, the internet is really just Ninety-nine percent fluff, and we try to be that one percent of of real information. And I think that's why we've seen some success.
1: So you guys have some protocols in place that make sure that you're staying true to that.
0: Yeah, true reporting. I guess. Yep, it's really the ethos of the journalist, and we have a great staff of trained journalists and then our business side, people respect that. So it's, it's just the structure.
1: Yeah. Both on the monopoint side and the gear junkie side, what are some struggles you guys
0: have had to work through as you've grown those businesses? I think it's just the noise of the internet. Like I mentioned, it's you're competing with so much and it took years to kind of break through and become a brand and establish an audience. So that, and the fact that online, media journalism is sort of ever changing where people consume on what kind of device, what's trending, what formats are relevant, et cetera, et cetera. So those have been kind of macro challenges, just keeping your head above water Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, just like being very nimble. So up until really recently, I feel like we didn't even have that much of a business plan because it was just so fluid and so the challenge is, and for me personally, that's really been apparent the last couple of years is I get so in the weeds and so involved with, say, editing an article and writing and traveling to do something that you kind of forget to look up and scope, well, what are we going to do this fall? And so mm-hmm. stepping back and getting out of the weeds and getting people in place that can do the minutiae, which is very important. I'm not trying to minimize it, but do that work has really allowed me to grow the business. So that's been a challenge. And as a journalist, I have no real formal training in managing people or growing a business. So it's been, you know, kind of learning and bootstrapping this thing on my own and with Mike. And it's just, that's those are kind of other macro challenges.
1: Interesting. So So this new role and move to Colorado has put you in this almost visionary position where you're out of that daily writing grind and editing grind. And now you kind of get to be the director of where this company is going in the next. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm, I'm more out of it than ever, but I'm still into, I mean, as a writer and a journalist, I keep, I definitely keep my hands and everything on the editorial side, but my new position is as publisher, which oversees our three different departments here. So we have a sales department an editorial department, and then a projects department and the move to Colorado is moving our editorial department from Minnesota to Colorado to Denver. So here we'll have sales and projects, which is really the business side of Gear Junkie, and then Colorado will be strictly our editorial. So it's it kind of goes back to your question, go too. Is we're even more than just policy wise, we're literally you know geography wise separating our uh, edit team from our business team.
1: And you, you touched on the noise of the industry and how the landscape is constantly changing. New social platforms seem to be popping up every week. Um, so you guys, with the position you're in and the relationships you have with some of the, some outdoor lifestyle, active lifestyle brands, you probably have a, it seems like you probably have a pulse on a good pulse on what kind of direction the, the industry is going and, so what are you guys seeing within new media that um, like the most new and relevant stuff that's happening um, for the promotion of story and, and getting like this, I guess well, outdoor inspiration out to a outdoor lifestyle audience.
0: A couple of points there. I mean, I feel like the outdoor industry in general is a couple of years behind maybe the other, other part, other industries, other pieces of the web. So um, it's not like we're on the cutting edge of social media and what's we're not using AI to write our gear reviews, <laughs> but we you know I, I feel like more than anything the the trend has been that quality matters more than ever. Mm-hmm. Quantity and scale were kind of the buzzwords of a couple years ago, and more and more we're finding that when you're dealing with brands, when you're trying to sell a proposal, they almost Obviously, they want impressions and they want to see what they're getting, but it's more of a trust in brand and qualitative uh, motivation of a brand that wants to work with us. So that's been a really good trend because that's kind of by accident and just because of who we are, what we want to do has always been our theme. We don't BS, we do quality work, and we have for years. And there were a couple years there where I felt like, the quality was not top of mind, not the first part of the conversation. It was the metrics. And that's kind of flipped. So that's been a good trend. Um,
1: and was that because you guys were following some of the, um, like some of those trends where quantity is the ultimate, you know, pursuit?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Quantity? Got, cut,
1: cut, yeah. Quantity got, you got sucked into that quantity over quality. We never got too
0: much. We never got sucked too much into that. There was one time, and I was just telling my staff about this. We had it was probably ten years ago. We had a store on our site, which was essentially a database-fed affiliate store that had eighty thousand pages, and it was making us a you know a few thousand dollars a month, and it was it was essentially. It was not original. It was it was content that was pulled from a database of catalog copy, and it was a little part of our revenue stream. It was never kind of the backbone of Gear Junkabir. We launched this initiative, and it got you know cut off at the head by a Google algorithm that was introduced and essentially killed that whole piece of our business. So that was a real lesson for me <laughs> early on mm-hmm. was that, you don't want to put your eggs in all in one basket and you also don't want to try to game the system, so to speak. So we took a step back after that and really looked at how we were doing this site. And Mm -hmm. fortunately the undercurrent has always been every single day to produce good content. And we've been doing that for 10 plus years and we built a big long tail of content that is highly searched and highly sought after. And then we have a daily stream of, of new content that we're producing.
1: That's cool. On well, in a space where, I mean, so much content is being created every single day. And like you said, 99% of it is uh, maybe just a bunch of crap. Having, having that quality is probably huge for you guys.
0: Yeah, and I'm not part. I'm not trying to be harsh, and I don't know if it's 99%, but there's so much BS out there, and I oh, yeah. just never like to be part of that. And I feel like we've seen so many um, initiatives that have tried to game the system. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, Google is getting smarter, and Google is also becoming more human, I feel, so that there aren't like the SEO hacks and tricks of yore. It's essentially write good content, make good videos, get shares, get comments, get reader interaction, get dwell time on the page. If you have a thousand people that read an article on on a given day, but they all spend 10 minutes on the article, it's much more valuable than having a viral spike of 100,000 readers that look at it for 10 seconds and then move on to the next thing. It's more valuable from a brand proposition for us internally. And then finally, Google has uh given that real priority so it's almost become more i guess qualitative in a way it's like if you spend more time and are interacting with the content it just kind of is uh giving you more of the the google uh brownie points so to speak yeah was
1: that change that google made did you see a a spike in the growth of gear junkie after after they made that change
0: i don't know when that change happened um I saw it on a list of I think it was 2017 algorithm tweaks or upgrades around 12 time being a very important stat. So I don't know when that happened exactly, and I'm sure there have always been components of that stat, but it was just taking more precedence, I believe, as 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 SEO and uh, search considerations have continued to evolve.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what's the purpose or the why that drives Gear Junkie? Like what's, what's that purpose behind everything that you guys do?
0: The purpose is really to motivate people to get off their butt, get outdoors and experience life. And you can do that with the right gear, even in a more enjoyable and more exciting and efficient manner. So it's never geeking out on gear for gear itself. It's geeking out on a bike because you can go on a 100-mile gravel ride that you do with your buddies on a Saturday, or you can climb a mountain, or you can ski mm-hmm. with your kids. So it's to me, that's the motivation.
1: Now, do you guys like to work with other brands that have that same purpose and motivation, or are you just looking to work with any brand that wants to
0: push their stuff? Well, it's, it's really embedded in this industry. The outdoor industry is great. It's made up of Tens of thousands of passionate outdoor enthusiasts and former athletes and guides and reps that their day job is to talk about gear and develop products and they're into it. You know, that it really distinguishes this industry from, you know, finance or medical devices or accounting software or myriad other spaces where you go to work do your job and come down come home and do what you really want to do but so many people we work with are living their passion and it creates kind of this macro effect
1: what are some of the brands that you see are doing storytelling really well right now
0: we do projects with uh, yeti coolers and rei and north face those are three that come to mind right away um Yeti is, you know, the Texas-based cooler company. Mm -hmm. They do amazing video. And we've been involved with, I think we're on like our 12th video with those guys. And they've done like a hundred other videos with other partners. And they're sponsored content essentially, but they're, you know, glossy, beautiful, personality rich adventure tales that are winning awards and going viral so Mm -hmm. that's been a really fun brand to work with uh the north face is a great case study in a brand that was you know 10 12 years ago was kind of seen as a not core brand a jacket you would buy at a department store it's fine gear but it's not something you'd use to climb k2 Uh, that's come full circle now where I feel like the North face via storytelling and content initiatives and great product development has become an apex brand and kind of all those places. So their storytelling is amazing. And that's mainly via video, but they do event series, they do articles. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a massive phenomenon in our space that so many brand companies, so many brands are media companies, or at least they put a lot of their budget, their marketing budget into, into media, into video and blogs and events and experiential.
1: Oh well, yeah. You see that, especially with Red Bull and Red Bull media. I mean, that company is a media company that just happens to sell a drink <laughs>
0: we just did two projects with Red Bull. I should have brought them up for sure. But yeah, they are iconic. You know, they're, they're masters. And I was just ice climbing up on Lake Superior with two Red Bull athletes. And we produced an article series on that. And then we had a guy out on Las Costa, California, kind of your neck of the woods, uh, doing an FKT fastest known time, a Red Bull athlete. And we documented that. And yeah, love, love have always kind of loved to watch what Red Bull is doing next. Yeah, we so we push
1: with our clients all the time that telling true stories uh, is super important, and and we point to at least my favorite is what Yeti is doing with their Yeti Presents. You mentioned them earlier. They they're telling true stories that are emotionally engaging, getting the audience and the user emotionally engaged, uh, and telling. stories. True stories that are relatable, not just stories yep. of like professional athletes, but everyday people, um, and yep. then just inserting the brand as brand placement, just like you'd see a Mercedes car brand placed in a Michael Bay movie. Like, so the story yeah. is not about the story is not about the gear, the story is not about their coolers. The story is about a true story, whether it's a fisherman or a backcountry hiker or a hunter. It's a story about that person and I can relate to that person as a hunter or a fisherman or a whatever. And then, Oh, Yeti is just there to come alongside and um, help that, that athlete or that fisherman or that whatever uh, achieve their goals in that story. And so we, we push that and recommend that on clients. And there's 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 very few and
0: you see, yeah,
1: there's very few in the space that are, Executing on that well, and when you look at the companies like Yeti, REI is doing it a little bit. North Face is doing it well. I mean, Red Bull is probably the pinnacle of what that looks like. Patagonia is doing it pretty well, but outside of that, not a lot of companies are are executing on that. And but when the, you you see the success that these companies are having because of those true stories, like it it only makes sense. And so, are you guys? Are, do you guys get a chance to push that with clients and brands that come to you to promote their stuff, or?
0: or yeah, you- I mean, I would I would disagree with you that not a lot of companies are doing it. A lot of them are doing it, but they're not doing it at that level. You know, they're not they're not a Yeti or a North Face, but they might be doing a uh, you know an Instagram story series with a pro climber, or a set of tutorial articles on their blog and. Essentially interacting with their customers and fans and potential customers via the medium of storytelling and information and photographs. So there's been just this macro shift of building culture, building your brand via culture and connection versus putting an ad in someone's face. So sure, those examples that we, those, those, those big brands that are, that are blowing it up are very visible kind of macro. But I mean, we probably worked with 30 or 40 brands in the last year that are doing some kind of content. So it's, it's pretty cool to see.
1: That's sweet. Now you mentioned you guys are, is Monopoint, you, you said you helped out with Yeti on a couple of their projects. Is Monopoint helping out or is Gear Junkie, Gear Junkie jumping in on those projects?
0: That was mainly a Gear Junkie project. So We've done several projects with Yeti over the years. The, the most recent one was called Great Urban Outdoors, and it was a series of uh, now 10 films, 10 short films on the intersection of uh, outdoor culture and activities with the urban landscape. So kind of that evolving area.
1: And did, was there, did you see a lot of success out of that campaign?
0: We did. We had millions of views on the videos and got huge buzz on the content, and it was it was great. I mean, it was one of these projects where we would have produced it anyways, and we loved the subject matter, and we're, we're kind of examples of this trend. Gear Junkie is located in the middle of Minneapolis's uptown neighborhood. It's kind of a hip, uh, very urban neighborhood, but we have single-track mountain biking within – you know, two miles of here, and there's a a lake we run around, etc. So we kind of embody it. And we love the the great urban outdoors theme. You know, like I said, we would have done that anyways. But with Yeti, it allowed us to amplify what we were concepting already.
1: So did you guys come to them with the idea to
0: collaborate? Came to them with three or four ideas. And they pointed at that one. So yeah, it was our concept. Um, Essentially, we had conversations and decided we wanted to work together in some way and then proposed a few different angles. And that was the, the, the major theme of last year's campaign.
1: Interesting. So what does that process kind of look like when you partner with a brand, like, like a large brand, like Yeti, like that, where you come to them with a pitch and you, you share your ideas and what does that collaboration process look like?
0: It's unique for every single case, but there maybe are some congruencies. And a lot of times, as, as kind of old school as it sounds, we get RFPs from an agency, and that at least starts a conversation. Um, but before that, it's really knowing these people, knowing their brand, covering their product on our on our gear review um, on Gear Junkie, meeting with them at trade shows, going to their film series. So it's it's kind of like a long qualitative process to get to know a brand and for a brand to get to know you and want to work with you. So we fortunately are now a, a, a big uh, brand in this space and a known quantity. And we hope that when marketers are thinking, how do we reach the outdoors core gear junkie is fairly top of mind and they, they reach out to us. And so it's a lot of times just that it's reacting to a brand that wants to engage with us and our audience and then kicking ideas back and forth, whether that's flying out to meet with them or just simply emails or phone calls and just getting to kind of what is your, what is your KPI? What do you want from this? Do you want a big branding campaign where we're going to get your product and your brand in front of our readers for association or do you want email signups do you want facebook likes do you want direct sales off your e-commerce site so it's a process of getting to that you know what do they want out of it and then what are our ideas on how to deliver
1: so on a project like that the you guys came with the idea but were were the videos driving there core purpose or because you share a very similar core purpose um, like who was who was the brand focus was it gear junkie being the focus or did you step back and allow yeti to be the focus in those stories
0: yeah that's a good question so essentially it's a gear junkie production sponsored by yeti and so and that's that's one of those nuanced things where you do need to identify early on do you want you know do you being the brand do you want to own this? And then it's in conjunction with Gear Junkie or is this going to be something we produce for our readers that happens to be brought to you by, presented by, sponsored by your brand? And it's kind of subtle, but it's also, you know, it's when you're watching a a film or seeing content and it, it, you want to be transparent with readers immediately, kind of what the brand's association and involvement is. And some of that, some of that wording is, is how you communicate that really concisely.
1: And so on that project they they were more of a sponsor of your ideas.
0: Yeah, exactly. We we came up with the concept and the ideas and produced the films and worked with their team on feedback and edits, but it was it was all in-house production and uh approval processes with the brand and their agencies and then the end product is a gear junkie film presented or sponsored by Yeti or in partnership with Yeti for that specific example.
1: So did they was there a big financial investment be from Yeti to help you guys produce that content?
0: Yep. I mean it was, you know, a six-figure deal to build both a large media buy that was CPM and high impact advertising on our site combined with social media combined with some articles and content and then plus this video series. So <laughs> excuse me a lot of what we sell is kind of that 360 multifaceted plan. Okay. Which may include multiple facets.
1: So does Gear Junkie almost it seems like it kind of acts as an agency in in a lot of ways.
0: It is there are a lot of congruencies and that's or a lot of similarities, excuse me. And that's one of the reasons we this year have decided to again put our editorial operation in Denver and let that run more traditionally like an editorial operation does, and to build what we're calling Gear Junkie Media here in Minneapolis, which is almost an agency, but it's a hybrid because we have this Distribution platform of you know a million monthly readers, so right. it's an agency, but but different, and, and we don't do a lot of what an agency would do either. But there there certainly is 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 uh, overlap or similarity. Interesting.
1: So I think we have time for one more question, Stephen, and I I want to dive a little bit deeper uh, down into that relationship with Yeti because that campaign sounds really interesting. Um, what did that process look like? for finding those stories that you guys were telling in that campaign. And as you executed on those stories, uh, what did the execution process look like for that story structure? Were you incorporating R-types and personas? And if so, were those driven by Gear Junkies brand or for the benefit of Yeti's brand messaging?
0: Sure. I mean, it started with a brainstorming session and a plan to create essentially an editorial calendar. So a list of stories and dates associated with those stories. And before that, even though, you know, we started at a high level and put together brief story summaries and then present them to the client and get feedback and tweak and go into each video or article with a, uh, a directive and an you know a summary of what we're going to do so before before we get started we have a schedule of stories and build out sort of the whole editorial calendar and then repeat the part with the the second part of that question
1: and so were there were there archetypes and personas involved in those storytelling in the storytelling in that campaign that Focus more on Gear Junkies brand or Yeti's brand or how did that work?
0: Each of the stories really was kind of a blend of some piece of news or happening or personality along with an interesting place. So you can go and film a video on mountain biking in Moab but unless there's a hook it's like there are a million videos about mountain biking in Moab so right we really start at that place of what's the news what's the hook what's the personality who is behind this and we craft it from there so we start from that spot and then we look at what is the scene what is the geography and I mean overall we just really apply the same kind of editorial lens that we do on our publication to these kind of bigger projects
1: um so last time we were talking offline you you mentioned that uh you guys brought like 20 plus stories to yeti as options were there stories in those selections as you guys did that discovery and research that you are like man i wish we could have told this story but they just didn't want to go that direction and then did that just open up opportunities for you guys to tell some of those stories on your own later with gear junkie media
0: I think so. One that comes to my head was we were going to produce a story on something called indoor skydiving, which sounds crazy, but it's essentially a vertical tube of air and you can skydive, quote unquote, inside of it. And we had a personality, um, I believe his name was Rex, (laughs) kind of this crazy cowboy. Uh And it drafted this big story, but it just wasn't really a fit. So there are always things like that where you want to pursue it and it just might not be an exact fit, but certainly we keep a file and we go back and pursue some of those stories after the fact, even if it isn't a part of a current campaign. What were some
1: of the takeaways that you guys came away with from that campaign that have maybe helped you? Let me rephrase that um, and what were some of the some of the takeaways that you guys came away with from that came that from that campaign that have helped? gear junkie media for like future storytelling, were there things that you learn on that in that process that you're like, man, we want to continue to do this, or we don't want to do that again. Like maybe some, was there any learning curves in that process?
0: Well, I think we really applied an editorial and kind of newsy lens to the whole process where I think, like I said a moment ago, it used to be really our video productions were more driven on maybe place. And now I think they're more driven on people and and events and happenings Uh that happen to occur in an interesting place. So almost looking at it in the inverse, like what is the hook here? What's the story? Why should we look at this now? Why will readers care about this now? Why will they care about this person? So that was a macro theme maybe last year that we started to uh, use for these bigger projects s- schemes is in the past it was more focused on let's go <laughs> climb devil's tower and build a video on it. Now it would be more like let's find a climbing bomb that's lived at devil's tower for 20 years at a, you know, in a nearby town, highlight his life and then really figure out what's his, you know, what makes this guy tick and then also go climb with him. So it's just more of a less of a, Uh, kind of action approach and more of a human approach
1: right so that the focus is a a true story and your locations maybe that in the past were the focus now become just characters within that narrative rather than the focus
0: i think it's either a character or a trend or a, a piece of news or a happening there needs to be a reason to do it beyond just a pretty picture
1: right well, Stephen, this has been super enlightening and helpful. I appreciate you coming on the show. If, uh, if our listeners want to get a hold of you or learn more about what you guys are doing at Gear Junkie or Gear Junkie Media or Monopoint, how can they get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, best way is just through our website, so gearjunkie.com and then monopointmedia.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Stephen, and we, uh, we wish you guys the best. All right.
0: Thanks, Zach. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Active Lifestyle Marketer. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other active lifestyle brand leaders or know someone who would be a great guest on the Active Lifestyle Marketer, let us know. We love connecting with active lifestyle brand executives and sharing their insights and knowledge with our audience. Just send us an email at info at tigercreative.com. And lastly, If you need help telling your brand story, we would love to share how we could help in that process. Check us out at tigercreative.com. See you next time.